0: The same people that are now critical of the Giants for winning because it's hurting their draft position will tell you that Joe Shane is this master class general manager. Well, those two things cannot be true. You cannot believe that the Giants are leading further into mediocrity and that Joe Shane is a great general manager who's not capable of balancing those things out. It's just, it it makes no sense to me. It's not a standpoint that I can rationalize because if you believe that Joe Shane is a great general manager who's capable of making things happen, both in free agency and the draft, then it doesn't matter where they pick in the draft. If he's a good talent evaluator, he's a good scout, and he's capable of finding good talent early and deep in the draft, then it really doesn't make any difference where you pick because they'll be able to find the
1: guys that work for this team and fit within the systems. Welcome into the Giants Wire podcast. It's great to have you with us. Ryan O'Leary here playing host, joined as always by my good buddy Dan Benton, a.k.a. the great Danton. The Giants Wire podcast is powered by the USA Today Network and available on whatever platform you like best. Go ahead and rate, review, and subscribe to the pod if you haven't already. We appreciate your support. Hey, Dan, how you doing? Or should I say, forget about it.
0: <laughs> I think unfortunately we got to do away with the Danton nickname because uh I haven't been so great at predicting the Giants this
1: year. We'll keep trying to uh, we'll get man. into that. Yeah, we'll, we'll get we'll that. Keep trying.
0: We'll get into that here in a minute, but uh boy what a wild week it was. Certainly didn't play out in, in a way that I or many anticipated and um I, usually when you use the term the train has come off the tracks that's a bad thing. Uh, but in the case of Tommy DeVito, the train has completely come off the tracks, and that's absolutely a good thing. Uh, it's a really fun time in New York and New Jersey right now, and um,
1: kind of looking forward to it to continuing and certainly hope that it does. Yeah, tons more on that. And, yeah, I just got to say, Dan, I got to say it straight up, talking about the great Dan Tom and, and our picks at the end of each show, I've not fully bought into the hype here. I've kind of, I've kind of mocked it. I've kind of just laughed along, chuckled, oh, this is a cute story. Uh, but i ha- it's time for me to fully be all in, right? Because this Danny, the, the Tommy DeVito experience has reached like Hollywood level highs, I think, right? Like this whole thing, Dan, like the shots of his dad in the crowd. His dad, I could watch him in the crowd all game. They should have like a split screen just with DeVito's dad in the crowd and the family. I mean, it's just awesome. Uh, the dad in the crowd, the huge family style Italian tailgate spreads, right? now. Now we've got... DeVito's agent in this ridiculous hat like I don't know this whole thing has taken on a life of its own where the actual football team is reveling in it and starting to believe again right and just on the football side of it the strides DeVito has taken from week to week it's just freaking remarkable right I I don't know on the whole if it's been a great year for Brian Dayball but the man can coach up a quarterback right and the work he's done with DeVito giving him just like a little bit more leash each week has been awesome to see and he turned him loose here in the Packers game, right? Especially at the end, just turned him loose. He said so after the game and, and the kid is delivering. And I, I, it's, I think it's time Dan to go all in on this. It's time to stop mocking it and laughing on the side, picking against the Giants and start believing. Is that, is that where we're at?
0: Well, I, I don't know if I'll go as far as automatically picking the Giants, but I, I will certainly admit that I've, I, have I don't know if I want to say I'm all in on the, on the entire situation, uh, just from a valuation standpoint, there are obvious flaws. But like you said, the truth is that DeVito is improving every single every single week. And I think what is played most to his benefit isn't even just his athletic ability, which I always say this. You can't question any player that's in the NFL because they're the top 0.0001% of all athletes on the planet if you make the NFL. Um, so everybody who makes it in the NFL deserves to be there. But more than anything else, more than his athletic ability, is he's not intimidated by anything. He's not intimidated by any opponent. He's not intimidated by any situation. He's not intimidated by anything that happens on the field. And when you have that stone cold mentality, when you're out there playing football, it doesn't matter if you're a number one overall pick or an undrafted rookie like he is, you're going to find success if you're not fearful of anything that's happening in front of you. So, to his credit, Uh, He does a great job of staying in the moment, staying cool, calm, and collected, and that really bleeds out to the rest of the team, and they they feed off of that, and then on top of that, he's just confident. He's got a lot of swagger. He believes that he's going to get the job done. He believes that his teammates are going to get the job done, and that's an infectious kind of thing out on the field, and you've seen that over the last four games.
1: Yeah, and and just going back to that point about Dayball and, and the work he's done with him, like did it feel to you, Dan, like this Green Bay game was kind of like a graduation for him? Like we heard what Dayball said after the game—that final drive is just like, "Hey, go let that mother motherfucker rip." You know what I mean? That uh, you just go out there, rip it, and and let's go. Like no more, no more training wheels. Like they're fully off, right? Like, yeah.
0: Well, the, the the training wheels had to be off in that moment anyway. If you wanted any chance of winning that game, you had to let Tommy go out there and do his job, and. Um, to his credit, he he lived up to the moment. He most certainly did. He went four for four on that final drive, couple big completions, you know, hit the wide open Wandell Robinson, who listen, we're probably not going to talk about him as much because it's the Tommy DeVito show right now. But kudos to Wandell Robinson, who is really, really starting to turn into a talented wide receiver, a year removed from his torn ACL. He's getting faster, he's getting quicker. Um, he's he's a dynamic talent that can run the ball. He can catch the ball. He was running good routes. He's starting to look like Sterling Shepard in terms of his elite elite route running ability, and um, yeah, just absolutely credit to him. It, he he's going to be overshadowed, unfortunately, unjustly, um, because of everything Tommy DeVito right now. But the Giants do not win that game without Robinson. So I wanted to make sure he gets his due too.
1: Yeah, his his quickness out there is is hard to miss. Uh, he is. He's looking good. He's looking good to see him healthy finally. Good to see what yep. he can do out there. Uh, but yeah, it's it's just Devito, Devito mania, Dan. It's taken on a, a life of its own. Yeah. Uh, Devito's being compared to Tom Brady and Dayball Pressers. Which I thought that was so like, ridiculous. Dayball's like, guys, 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 please. Uh, I heard uh, former NFL executive Scott Pioli on the NFL Network this week. I don't know if you caught this, Dan, but guy who worked with Dayball for years out in New mm-hmm. England. Uh, he said this week that Devito could could definitely continue as a starter in 2024. That's where this is going. Uh, I know Devito's agent, uh, Sean Stellato. Is that how you pronounce it? Uh, mm-hmm. With the with the get up and the viral sensation with Peyton Manning. <laughs> what did what did Peyton call him? Slimy? Something like that. Slimy. Yeah, slimy. So he's been doing the rounds on on uh you know every podcast and radio show you could imagine and he's been saying it too he said he said straight up that his client could beat out daniel jones for the dro- job next year so the kids are toast of to the town the region overnight internet star dan but how far is too far can we take this is this getting is this as serious as people think it's getting is, is <laughs> it, you know what i mean like this is well, this is wild right now
0: yeah i'll start here and i'll tell you this um Tommy DeVito's not Tom Brady. All right. Like I, I think that's just, and I know the reporter tried to like preface that whole thing with, I'm not making the comparison, but can you compare? Yeah. And it's like, no, don't stop. Just it's like Bill Belichick being asked about Lawrence Taylor compared to some modern player. Just, yeah. just quit it. Just pump the brakes. Chill out. This is fun. The giants are winning. They're, they're certainly more effective on offense. They're still averaging just 21 points per game. Tommy DeVito Listen, he's making the plays when he needs to make them, but there are plenty of flaws. So he'll be the first to admit that. Brian Dayball says the same thing. There's a whole lot to clean up. And I know that winning cures all and masks a lot of issues and all that sort of stuff, and it's great that the Giants are back in playoff contention, which, again, we'll get into here in a moment. I find that unbelievable that we're having that conversation. Um, but as far as the Brady comparisons, the he's the future long-term starter of the New York Giants. Just chill, guys. Take a deep breath. Enjoy the moment. Let's calm down a little bit. Like, could this all come to fruition? Of course it could. I could also go win, you know, the mega millions and become a billionaire <laughs> overnight, but the chances of that happening are are pretty slim. That being said, what Tommy DeVito is doing is he's leading the Giants back to the playoff, to the playoff hunt by protecting the ball. He's in, learning increasingly more on a weekly basis to avoid the sacks. Some of it's not pretty, but he's, he's at least getting away. But like I said, the key there is he's protecting the ball, and that, that ball protection is allowing the team to be competitive late in games. The defense, in particular, continues to take the ball away and give it to the Giants' offense in good spots. That's obviously helping to a tremendous degree. If the defense wasn't playing the way they are right now, we probably wouldn't be having these conversations. Um, And, and, you know, when it comes to Daniel Jones and winning the starting job next year, like, I I don't know if I'd go that far. I really don't. Do I think that it's good to have him in the quarterback competition? Absolutely. I think that'll push anybody that's on this team, Um, mainly just, you know, for his attitude alone, because he's going to go in there with the confidence that he can win the job. And he's obviously improving on a week to week basis where his ceiling is. I don't know. I don't think that anybody really knows at this point. Uh, but he does seem to have it you know whatever it is Tommy DeVito certainly seems to have it and the more he rounds into shape and more he develops as a quarterback the better he's going to become but he's a he's far 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 and away different than Tom Brady even in Tom Brady's second season he's not there the Giants aren't there uh, there's no telling where that's all going to play out next season but uh I still want to say you know it's fun uh give give DeVito his credit tip your cap to him he's doing the job well Uh, but this is a team performance it's got the team where they are right now this isn't just on the quarterback the offensive line is playing better the wide receivers are getting open the defense is playing lights out but uh, if it was Daniel Jones under center and the team was losing these games but the same stat lines we were going up we'd hear all about how oh it's a typical Daniel Jones stat line so you know, again, winning cures all, and it masks a lot of things. And and right now, it's it's masking what are otherwise you know mediocre statistical performances. But again, that's not to take anything away from Devito because without him playing like a Stone Cold Killer that he is, the Giants probably aren't winning these games either. Anyway.
1: Yeah, I, I think there is the it factor, like you said, the clutch factor. Uh, I, I agree. On the whole, it's it's not it's not all perfect. It's not all pretty. But when the Giants are getting turnovers or when they need a drive dan he's he's coming through on those drives and so they're yeah. scoring a lot on those off those turnovers. I don't have the numbers in front of me that's something I should look up because um it is fascinating but yeah his his numbers this time only twenty one attempts but seventeen completions seven point five yards per completion qB rating thirteen point nine and he didn't take a sack which i thought was an interesting like that was something that popped out to me like no sacks today right could have been yeah, sacked but uh he he didn't get sacked so uh well they
0: planned for that specifically yeah. you could tell yeah. just uh, by watching the game that kafka had drawn up a game plan that was they they were not going to take those sacks because that had been the weakness right? right like he wasn't turning the ball over but he was taking an astronomical amount of sacks so the giants switched the offense up and said all right we're not going to turn the ball over but you're not going to take the sacks either yeah. and it really played out uh, to almost to perfection on Monday night.
1: Yep. Yeah, no negative, not as many negative plays, which is key. Uh, but yeah, the defense is, is, they should be the story. But I think overall, it's just like the team reveling in the Tommy DeVito thing. Like he's brought some mm-hmm. juice to the team. The team is starting to play like they believe now. Uh, and that is, that is helping the defense. It's helping everybody. But yeah, the Tom Brady stuff, it's like people forget that Brady was drafted in 2000, not 2001 when the Patriots won that Super right. Bowl. So he had a year right. under his belt. He was the fourth quarterback. The Patriots uh, kept four quarterbacks in 2000. Brady uh, was the backup by 2001, and I think behind mm-hmm. the scenes they could see that he was already better than Bledsoe. But it, the experience of Bledsoe, he had this huge contract he had just signed. Like they were not going to make the change at the beginning of the year, but they already liked Brady. He was on the come, and when he got his chance to play, it was it was kind of over. So it's a totally different scenario of Devito coming out of nowhere. Like Brady was kind of on the rise behind yeah. the scenes if you were paying attention. But yeah, we. We could get into a rabbit hole well, about the Patriots. Yeah, to,
0: to, to, to some, some degree, fun. that's true about Devito, though. You know, not not to the whole Brady degree, but it's, you know, back in the preseason, people forget. You know, Tommy Devito made some impressive plays and kind of opened some eyes back then. Like, mm-hmm. you know, it's not like he totally just burst on the scene out of nowhere. I think that that perception was sort of created, and perhaps rightfully so. His initial appearances this year, where the Giants just didn't
1: want to even let him throw the football, I didn't believe it. Which, at yeah, I was like, this yeah. guy gives you no shot. I, I think I said that on yeah. the podcast. Yeah, but
0: yeah, you did. And look, at at the time, that was a, that was a fair criticism because, and and listen, maybe that wasn't Tommy DeVito's fault. You know, maybe that was a product of something else. But whatever the case was, they weren't allowing him to produce on the field at the time, and that kind of called into question um, what he could bring to the table because they apparently didn't trust him to bring anything to the table. So really more than anything else is a credit to him, uh, for just sticking with it and, and working hard. And by all counts, that's exactly what he's doing. He's got a very like Eli Manning and Daniel Jones, like approach to detail approach to work staying, you know, first one in last one to leave. And, and that's how you succeed in this business. And that's, that's, you know, that's again, a credit to Tommy DeVito, but, um, I, I wouldn't. I, I wouldn't go as far as to say that he just randomly bursts onto the scene because th- there were instances in the preseason and during training camp where it was like, hmm, maybe this kid does have something." Uh, he he needed a lot of development. He still needs a lot of development. There were quite a few throws, particularly in the first half on Monday night. I even texted you at one point and said you know, he's missing wide open guys. These are, these are the throws that Tyrod Taylor would make. And, and again, that's not a knock on, on Tommy DeVito. It's the reality of the situation. Those were throws that Tyrod Taylor would make, but again, you know, DeVito rebounded in the second half and then began making those throws. So, you know, it's not just a long-term development, it's incremental development within the game itself. And that's again, a credit to him and the amount of hard work that he's putting in.
1: Yeah, no, that's good insight right there. I mean, yeah, the the week to week development improvement, Dan has been, Shocking! It's been shocking, and now what was he? He was the NFC Player of the Week or something? Uh, is that right? Yep,
0: NFC off- <laughs> NFC offensive player of the week. Yeah. <laughs> pretty
1: good. Along with a uh, along with Zach Wilson uh, as the AFC offensive player of the week, just like we all predicted. Of course, yes, those are <laughs> two of the top quarterbacks in the league, baby. Uh, so, like, I- I'm loving this thing. I'm I- I'm starting to uh, I'm starting to switch from mocking this to actually believing it, Dan. This is pretty fun. I'm I'm all in on this whole experience. Most fans are loving it too. Some are are very angry though, Dan. The Giants have won three straight. So there's some fans that are just stuck in this rut where they want uh the you yeah. know, as good draft pick as possible in 2024 and they they can't get over that and they can't enjoy what's happening in front of them. And the, these games are fun. The, the the atmosphere is fun. The the shots of yeah. DeVito's family and the agent, and this is just how can you not enjoy this? But there there is a big right. segment of fans that I mean, I'm seeing the uh The FU's all over Twitter, the Giants wire, when you guys are just harmlessly tweeting about the playoffs and them being alive in the hunt, which is, you know, factually, it's factual, you know, it's it's mathematically fact. They're a game out right now. So, yeah, uh, some are loving it, but some are very angry, Dan. And you think that has you think that says something about their their trust or lack of trust in Joe Shane?
0: Well, yeah, I find it to be sort of an interesting and almost hypocritical approach to this entire thing because the argument has been that in order to get better, the Giants need to lose. And if they continue to win, they'll be forever mired in mediocrity, which makes no sense whatsoever because the one way to get out of mediocrity is to win football games. And the same people that are now critical of the Giants for winning because it's hurting their draft position will tell you that Joe Shane is this master class general manager. Well, those two things cannot be true. You cannot believe that the Giants are leading further into mediocrity and that Joe Shane is a great general manager who's not capable of balancing those things out. It's just, it it makes no sense to me. It's not a standpoint that I can rationalize because if you believe that Joe Shane is a great general manager who's capable of making things happen, both in free agency and the draft, then it doesn't matter where they pick in the draft. If he's a good talent evaluator, he's a good scout and he's capable of finding good talent early and deep in the draft, then it really doesn't make any difference where you pick because he'll be able to find the guys that work for this team and fit within the systems. And more importantly than that, he's entirely capable of maneuvering within the draft itself and going up. We've seen him do it already in his first year as general manager, going out, finding a way to move into position to get the guys that he wants. So by winning, the Giants aren't damaging those things. Perhaps it's making it more costly to get some of those top talents assuming the Giants go for them but adding a top talent to a playoff or winning team is a better recipe for success than adding a singular player at the top of the draft to a losing and incapable team because that's not going to shift the scales to any large degree so this whole hatred for the Giants for winning because it's going to continue to lead them down the road of mediocrity is just something that I cannot rationalize in my own brain
1: yeah, it's it's a it's a, a real thing now. I don't know if it's like a social media thing, Dan, but this whole like wanting your team to lose when you're when you have a rough start to the season. I mean, I I do I do a show like this with the Broncos wire. The Broncos were one in five. John was talking about how he wanted them to tank and get Caleb Williams. And I was like, John, you don't want that. You don't want that. And we argued about it for weeks. And now we're talking about the playoffs with the Denver Broncos. You know, what I mean? like this is what happens mm-hmm. in the NFL. You you there's like this tendency to throw in the towel and want your team to suck. Uh, and it's just like you don't want to suck so bad that you get down to the bottom of the draft. You really don't, because I don't think I don't think it's as easy as people think to climb out of that thing. Once you get into that basement where the Panthers are right now, uh, where my Patriots are, Dan. It takes a while to climb out of that. Like the Patriots, for example, yeah, they're picking number two. There might be giants fans out there that wish that they could switch places with the Patriots right now, but they're going to have to completely rebuild their offense completely, gut it and rebuild it, and it's going to take years, and there's, there's a long rebuild coming in New England. Do you want, really want that? I don't know. Uh, so well the other yeah, but well, that's the other thing. That's the other part of this. When you
0: lose, jobs are lost. And when jobs are lost, system change. And when system change, current personnel doesn't match incoming systems and it leads to a rebuild. We've seen this happen, this cycle with the Giants, every two years for almost a decade at this point. It doesn't work. It's never worked. And losing and tanking and costing jobs is not going to change that. It's just going to create an even larger mess for the team to, to kind of crawl out of. So the best chance of getting off the road to mediocrity is just winning football. That's it. doesn't matter how you do it. Just find ways to win. Find players that fit the systems. Keep winning. Keep coaches and assistants in place and allow the players that you bring in to develop within those systems. That's the best way to win and sustain winning football in the NFL.
1: Yeah, you, you want to keep building momentum instead of having constant setbacks, right? Uh, you w- build a winning culture. I think that's what Brian Dayball and the staff, Joe Shane, are trying mm-hmm. to do, and and I think that's just we got fans that are like pissed about the Giants winning three straight here, and I guess now they're picking eighth overall if, instead of fifth or whatever it was a couple of weeks ago. It's like mm-hmm. uh, I'm not going to say anything to you personally. Obviously, everyone's a, uh, allowed to consume sports the way they want, but like try to find a little bit of joy in this. <laughs> try to try to find a little. bit. I don't this know how fun. you're not. Yeah. I don't
0: know how you don't find find a way Giants. to find joy. This is- yeah. This is highly entertaining, all right? Listen, I understand being miserable early in the year. Like, we talked about Listen, we went through the Joe Judge era, man. Like, we know what it's like to be on the other end of that. That sucks. This doesn't suck. This is fun. This is entertaining. The Giants are playing meaningful December football. They're going to play the Eagles on Christmas likely with the chance to – to climb back into the lead and control their destiny to to go to the playoffs potentially. Like, how do you not find entertainment and joy in that? I just don't understand. And, and you saw it on Monday night. Like you said it to me before we came on air today. It's, it's crazy because it's not just angry fans. It's vile fans. Like winning has damaged their identity of misery and they can't stand it. Like they're, they're upset because there's reasons to be happy. And I think it's, sort of like a modern social contagion a generational difference between what is and what came before and how identities are so tied up in victimhood and 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 misery and the need to be said and to have some some kind of anchor holding you down and and once you're free I, i don't know it's it's almost like they kind of lose control and they they don't know how to live in that world where things are okay and you can you know have your own personal responsibilities and your own control and you're capable of being happy and finding joy in something because it it causes them to lose some kind of meaning or something and and you saw it you saw it on our our Twitter account on Monday night where very simple factual straightforward non opinion tweets were getting just hammered Effused. with disgusting <laughs> yeah, vile yeah. horrible distasteful even threatening in some points commentary and it's like where is this hatred and and nastiness and misery coming from because your football team won a game like what kind of backwards ass bizarro world are we living in right now
1: it's wild man i know it's like it's sports man you can't find joy out of sports and it's just miserable and believe me i should be miserable i bet on the packers <laughs> so i should be the one who's miserable but i'm even here being like man this is so this is so good this is so good how can you not be all in and 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 i am i'm i'm all into the point where i think the giants who are big underdogs here next week against the or this weekend i should say against the saints i'm i'm all into the point where i think they they got a real shot at winning this game we'll talk about that here coming up next here with the great dan tom thinks about the matchup as well first hey congratulations if you're still alive in your fantasy leagues week 15 first round of the playoffs uh here's some fantasy advice from the huddle.com for your matchups and then we'll be right back (laughs)
2: Welcome to the Fantasy Football Playoffs. I'm Cory Bonini of TheHuddle.com, here to bring you strong plays for Week 15. Los Angeles Rams quarterback Matthew Stafford versus Washington Commanders. Facing a top-tier Ravens defense, Stafford passed for 294 yards and three touchdowns last Sunday. That gives the veteran 10 touchdowns to just one interception in his last three games. Meanwhile, Washington ranks dead last in passing yards allowed per game at 266, yards per attempt at 8.1, touchdowns allowed 30, and in the last five weeks, This matchup is 32% better than average. Nine quarterbacks have posted at least 25 fantasy points against the Commanders on the year. DeAndre Swift, Philadelphia Eagles at Seattle Seahawks. Another former Detroit Lion, Swift now has finished with fewer than 10 PPR points in four of the last five games after seven straight useful performances. Fear not, the matchup ahead is extremely favorable and gives Swift a valid opportunity to get back on track. Running backs have averaged the 10th most rushing yards, 5th most receiving yards, the 8th most catches per game, and a touchdown every 19.3 touches, which is the second highest rate since Week 9. While risky, Swift's matchup alone makes him a strong play candidate. Wide receiver Romeo Dobbs, Green Bay Packers vs. Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Dobbs managed four catches for 32 yards against the Giants. That's weak production, but he might be thrust into the clear-cut number one role depending on what happens with injuries around him. Christian Watson has a hamstring injury, Dontavian Wicks has an ankle issue, and rookie Jaden Reed potentially is facing a concussion. Against the shaky Buccaneers secondary, Dobbs looks like a possible wide receiver two candidate, and this defense has permitted 19 receivers to reach double-digit fantasy territory in PPR scoring. Tight end Isaiah Likely, Baltimore Ravens at Jacksonville Jaguars. A 54-yard score against broken coverage last week made an otherwise modest day much more appealing. Likely has drawn 15 total targets in his two starts since the Ravens lost Mark Andrews and that kind of stable role makes him tough to ignore in any format. The Jaguars have given him three touchdowns over the last 21 tight end catches faced, and only two defenses have allowed scores at a higher rate. This is the number 11 matchup for yardage allowed since week 9, but it's also a neutral 17th for receptions against in the last five weeks. Even still, there's no reason to get away from Likely with this favorable matchup, especially considering how volatile the position is. For more award-winning fantasy football news, tips, and advice, please be sure to check out TheHuddle.com.
1: All right, we're back, Dan. We can talk about the path now. We've tried. We've really tried not to do this, uh, but I
0: didn't. Hey, listen, last week I cut. it. I mean, I just completely. No, we're not doing that. You shut it down. Yeah, you
1: shut it down. I did.
0: I did, and I should not have. That was that was foolish of me. But there were some games the week prior that just didn't go the way that I thought they needed to. But then other games that I didn't expect to go the way that they did <laughs> yep, did. Yep. And here we are. The Giants are very legitimately one game out of the final wild card spot with two of the teams in front of them still on their schedule. By the end of this week, if certain dominoes fall into place, the giants could control their own playoff destiny. Imagine saying that a month
1: ago. It's pretty wild. It's pretty wild. And and the path is not very complicated, which I'm happy because when I started looking at this, Dan, I said, okay, you've got the saints this week and you've got the Rams after that, that game against the Eagles that you mentioned earlier. And these are two teams that are ahead of you right now in the standings, the, the Saints and the Rams. And if, mm-hmm. if you're gonna lose one and and finish this season at nine and eight, uh, you can't afford losing to the Saints. You can't afford losing to the Rams, right? So I think the path is pretty simple. If you're gonna lose one, it's gotta be that middle game to the Eagles, and then you're gonna have to win week eighteen. You're gonna have to get mm-hmm. to nine and eight. I think nine and eight gives you a shot. And but you have to beat the Saints, you have to beat the Rams. Do you agree with that? hundred percent. Absolutely. Listen, it's kind
0: of strange that the Giants could go in and And essentially throw away one of the games against the eagles and still feel pretty good about their chances pending some outcomes that game actually could turn out to be vitally important if certain things happen yeah and it as it is every week it's whatever game is next but truly in this case sunday against the saints is a must-win football game if you want to get back to the playoffs
1: yeah And, and i could tell you right now in terms of you know i i enjoy the sports betting stuff dan you know i i bet on games and we talk about it at the end of each show, the spread and, and, and all that. I think it's, it's fascinating, and I can tell you from like a sports betting perspective that the spot favors the Saints here, right? They're at home. They, they were at home last week as well, so they're, they've been home. They just had an easy win against the Panthers. you got the Giants traveling across the country on a short week. The Saints get you indoors on their turf. Like, the spot screams Saints, right? And I think that's why the line is so high. It's, it's six. The Giants are six-point underdogs going into New Orleans. Uh, but Dan... That line's too high, isn't it? <laughs> I think that it line's is. too high. It is. Derek it is. Carr and Dennis Allen. I think it is. Yeah. Derek Carr and Dennis Allen, easy fates when the Saints are big favorites. And I got more on that. But, Dan, why don't, you, why don't you tell us a little bit about the matchup? What do you think?
0: Well, I'll tell you what. I would have Listen, if it was Giants plus three, I probably wouldn't have griped with it too much. I think that plus six. And I actually think at one point on Monday night, it was six and a half. And it was even before the game was over against the Packers. And I thought to myself, wow, that is an unexpected line. Like, I didn't see that coming. You know, generally the home team will get three points, and, you know, and, and then it's kind of a toss-up game from there. I thought maybe four, you know, but six, six and a half, I was kind of blown away by that. And it did drop a little bit after the Giants won. But nothing else changed in those in that span of those 24 hours. So I, I, I do find it a little odd that, the, that Vegas is leaning so heavily towards the Saints because I don't think, you know – this is a kind of a matchup that should lean so heavily towards the home team necessarily. Um, but, you know, listen, they're the ones that, you know, make the, the big, big dollars on this kind of stuff. And, 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 you know, whatever, you know, that's, that's their prerogative to, to make that pick. But as far as this matchup goes, like, I think it all comes down to really the want. And, and I think right now it's, it's who wants it more. And the giants are out there playing like a team who really, really want it. And I, I realized how simplistic that sounds, and there's so much more to the nuance of football and what goes into a game and yada, yada, yada. In my lifetime of watching the NFL, though, 90% of the time, the team that wants it more is the team that's going to win the game. And I went back and watched some of, you know, the Saints in the past few weeks, and, yeah, they kind of cleaned up on a bad team this past weekend, but they're not a team that's out there that really – looks like they want it ironically the person on their team that looks like they want it the most is Jameis Winston and by all accounts he ain't getting in the game so uh, I I do I do go into this game tending to believe that the Giants are in a better place in terms of momentum and and where they are mentally and really quite frankly where they are in terms of where they're playing right now particularly on the defensive side of the ball so I did find the six odd and I, I honestly hey as it's been traditionally for the giants, they play better when they're the underdogs anyway. So I'm perfectly fine if it stays that way.
1: Yeah. And they've, they've got experience going into that building and winning a game too. I remember, uh, was it a couple of years ago, two uh, years ago, two yep. years ago, Daniel Jones and the giants went in there and they were big dogs and they won outright on a late, late drive. Was it overtime? It was, it was a late drive. I think they got, they might've won it in overtime. I'll, I'll go back and check Saquon.
0: That. It yep. was overtime. Yep. Yeah. It was Saquon touchdown. Yeah.
1: Yep. Yep. So, uh, yeah, I, I just think six is way too high. And, and when you, whenever you see the Saints favored by this kind of number with Derek Carr and Dennis Allen, uh, from a sports betting perspective, fade them. Fade them. Uh, Carr, this dude, Dan, to date, 1937-2 and against the spread as a favorite in his career. <laughs> Dude's just a human ATM if you fade him as a favorite. Uh, so, uh, you know, find a game where Carr now, and again, especially with this head coach, where he's favored, and then and you usually like the other side. But when you get a number like six, you've got to really look at the Giants. So I love the Giants plus six. Can they win it outright, though, Dan? And I, and I think so. And you just mentioned Jameis Winston. I mean, that's a great point. Derek Carr has been playing through a bad shoulder injury. He had an AC joint sprain early in the year. He's been playing through it. Uh, he's been knocked out of games three times in, on the season. So he started a game but got knocked out three different times. He's had concussions twice, including two weeks ago. Uh, and now he's got. He he even said it after the game against the Panthers. He's got four. He's got three or four fractured ribs, that he made sure he let everybody know because he's a warrior, Dan. And he's he has not missed a start all season long. He has not missed a start. So there's something there. I mean, the Saints had Jameis Winston on the roster. They went out and, mm-hmm. g- and brought in Derek Carr, and they have not given Jameis Winston one start, even against the worst team in football last week at home, when Carr was coming off a second concussion and has rib and shoulder injuries as well, Dan. They still wouldn't sit Carr for one week to let him rest up and heal up. They still wouldn't give the ball to Jameis Winston. So there's there's something there. With Derek Carr, he refuses to come out of the lineup. Dennis Allen refuses to take him out of the lineup. And, and again, Dennis, Dennis Allen and Derek Carr go way back. Dennis Allen was the guy that drafted him back in the, in the day with the, with the then Oakland Raiders. Dennis Allen got fired shortly after that because the Raiders were horrible. But then Carr went on to have a, a decent career with the Raiders and now they're reunited with New Orleans. So there's a thing there. Allen refuses to take him out of the lineup and put Jamison uh, unless Carr gets knocked out with an injury. But th- this is all to say the dude's not healthy. He's dealing with all kinds mm-hmm. of injuries. And I think the Giants' blitzing style with Wink Martindale and the way their defense is playing can get him uncomfortable. He doesn't want to get hit. He got sacked once in this Panthers game. And you guys could look this up on Saints Wire. He got hit once stand, this big sack in the Panthers game, and he immediately got up and started screaming at his center, Eric McCoy, and they were jawing at each cool. other coming off the field.
0: That's never good. good.
1: Yeah, yeah. jawing at each other after the field where they had to have like a public apology. They gave each other public apologies after the game, and uh, it was just a, a, lot, a lot's going on with the Saints right now. <laughs> you know, a lot's going on with the Saints, and a lot of it starts with their underperforming and banged-up quarterback. So it's a long way of saying I love the Giants at plus six, Dan, but I would – I kind of like the money line as well. Uh, I think they could go into this game and win it outright. And I think that's where I'm leaning right now. Giants outright. I think they can get this game.
0: All, all they have to do is not look ahead. And I, I truly believe that. I, again, I know people want to hear the X's and O's of it. And obviously the Giants have work to do. They're going to have to you know, stop Alvin Kamara, who that's a potential matchup nightmare for them. because He's a monster. Good He's a monster. Them. Yeah. Yep. But, Again, the way I'm looking at it is got to go into this game and they got to continue not beating themselves. they got to continue to play the defense the way that they've been playing defense. And they need to make sure they're focused on the Saints and not the Eagles. And if they do those three things, I truly believe they're going to come away and win this game. And given the way that this season started, the momentum they have right now and how they're feeling in that locker room, they're not ready to turn back the clocks and go the opposite direction yet. And I don't think they will be, again – for the remainder of this season. They're starting to believe in themselves on a player-to-player basis. Um, they're all starting to play better. They're not, listen, they're not beating anybody up. They're not winning and going away. They're not dominating on the offensive side of the ball. Special teams unit, ugh, let's not even get into that. They really need to clean that mess up. Um, but defensively in particular, like we mentioned multiple times on this podcast, they're playing at a near elite level, especially when it comes to takeaways. And if they continue to play that way defensively, everything else will continue to fall into place. Just give Tommy DeVito, give the offense, give Saquon multiple opportunities, give them good field position, and they're more than capable of putting up enough points to win these games. So I do think X's and O's of it all aside, I do believe just based on the momentum, where the team is, the desire to prove everyone wrong and get back to the playoffs, the rallying behind Tommy DeVito, the entertainment that it all is right now, I think that's going to carry the Giants, and I, I do think they're going to win this game
1: outright. Yep, I'm right with you. And if if you look at the injury report, which we'll get this week's here, we're talking on Wednesday morning, but Taysom Hill, huge part of what they do on offense. He didn't even practice last week. He missed the game against Carolina. So we'll have to see what his practice report looks like, but he's highly questionable. Marshawn Lattimore, their top corner, has been out on IR. Michael Thomas has been out on IR. Rashid Shaheed is there like speedy? Deep threat, kind of like the Jalen Hi- Hyatt type for them. He's had a thigh injury. He's missed the last few games. So they're banged up. Uh they've been propped up by a really good, favorable schedule. They're six and seven. Uh they're they're in it in the NFC South, if you can believe it, because they're tied with the Falcons and Bucks for first place. But yeah. uh
0: they, they haven't they haven't exactly beaten wonderful teams. No, so like,
1: no they they don't have a signature. I'm not, win not saying
0: year. that the Giants certainly not saying that the Giants have I think Monday night was obviously the the big moment for the Giants in terms of yeah uh, of who they've beaten. But, uh, yeah, you look up and down the Saints schedule and who they've beaten, how they've won those games. I, you got to feel pretty confident about the Giants going into this one.
1: Yeah, I just don't think the Saints team is very good. Um, I, I don't think they will be a playoff team when all said and done. So, uh, It's a, it's a yeah. tough place to play down there. I it mean, is.
0: listen, if the fans are in there and they're loud and they're raucous like they usually are, It'll be interesting to see how Tommy DeVito deals with that. I don't – listen, like I said earlier, I don't think it's going to fluster him, but it certainly does add a different element to the entire thing. But all it takes is one early score to to shut that crowd up, and then from there you can just kind of – you know, lock into what it is that you've been game planning. So for the Giants, I think in particular, it's going to be that first scripted series. It's going to be incredibly important, especially if they get the ball first, that they go down there and put points on the board, immediately put pressure on the Saints and quiet those fans down. And if they can do that, I think it really boosts their chances of winning this game even
1: more. All right, Tommy Cutlets, we're all in on you, my friend. We're not mocking <laughs> you. I'm not. I'm not chuckling and betting the other team, the other side anymore. I'm. I'm all in on the Giants. I think they're going to win this game against the Saints. Uh, I, you know, I'll probably sprinkle a little bit on that money line, but I'm going heavy Giants plus six. I love it. Yeah. I love this one.
0: I, you know, and then then you got a scoreboard watch. You know, going back to the whole idea of the path to the playoffs, I think the Giants. Obviously, the Giants have to win. It's a must win game for them. And then you got a scoreboard watch. They do need a couple kind of miracle wins to come out of this, uh, you know, this weekend, like the Panthers beating the Falcons is, is a prime example of one that's probably not on their side. Could happen. Though. But um, it could. I mean, listen, any given Sunday, you know what I mean? Like any given Sunday, anything could happen. So the teams that the Giants are rooting for this weekend, it's going to be the Buccaneers. It's going to be the Panthers. It's going to be Washington, which is always weird having to root for Washington. That's gross. And then, you know, and then you're going to have to root for the Eagles. But those four teams win. The Giants take care of business. We come back on this podcast next week. They're going to have their own play- playoff fate
1: in their hands if those things happen. It's pretty awesome. Who would have? Who would it's have
0: amazing to think that we're at that point, honestly.
1: I mean, it was early in the year, just getting just completely blown out of games. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. just It was just ugly. They had no quarterback. Mm-hmm. And uh, here we are now. And,
0: and let's be honest. Like, Philly's going to come in mad. They're going to come in mad. They're going to come in hot. They're going to want to destroy, you know, Seattle. And um, if they're real, like everybody claimed they were just a few weeks ago, they'll win that game. And, I, think, I think they you will. Know, outside, Yeah, and outside of that game, like the Buccaneers, Packers, like the Pack, the Packers were hot, but the Giants just put a blueprint out on them. And, uh, you know, it's entirely possible for the Bucs to win that game. Um, you know, and you never know with Washington. You never know what team's going to show up. They're really wildly inconsistent, and they could be great one day and terrible another day. But I don't feel like they're completely – you know, out of it when it comes to playing the Rams, the game that, that's really going to be the key for the Giants is going to be that that Panthers-Falcons game. And you kind of just hope that Desmond Ritter has one of those really bad games that he had early this season where he just can't get out of his own way. And if those things happen, we're going to be talking about a Christmas Day game against the Eagles where the Giants could further distance themselves from the field and essentially punch their ticket to the playoffs if they can win that game and then go beat the Rams. It's pretty smart. And that's just that's amazing when when you think about where we were just a month ago.
1: It's amazing and it's fun. It's a good thing. It's what you want. This is we want meaningful games. Uh this is what it's all yeah. about. And,
0: and listen, no matter what else plays out in the NFL this weekend, it doesn't matter. As long as the Giants win, they will go into Philly on Christmas Day with a chance to regain control of their playoff fate. Awesome. And as a Giants fan, a lifelong Giants fan and I I could speak for a most Giants fans, I normally would say all Giants fans, but there are plenty that are going to want them to lose that game. (laughs) Uh, There is no greater Christmas gift. There would be no greater Christmas gift to the Giants fan base than to go into Philly on Christmas Day and beat the Eagles, finally getting that monkey off the back to essentially push yourself back into the playoffs for the second straight season. I could think of no better holiday gift for the Giants
1: than that. Oh, the the gift would just be seeing the that the Eagles' coach's face, Sirianni on <laughs> the sideline. Nick just Sirianni, a, yeah, make yeah. him
0: make him cry. Just make a look cry. on
1: his face losing to the Giants, you know, uh, you know, week what sixteen or whatever that is. Let, yeah. I'll tell
0: you this too. I'll tell you this too. If the Giants win on Sunday and they go in and beat Philly, you think the Tommy DeVito stuff is crazy? Now, it will be unbelievably wild and insane. If he goes into Philly and beats the Eagles in Philly on Christmas Day, I, I can't even imagine. Oh, if he beats what Philly, the national
1: media is going to do with that. If he beats if Philly, he's getting a contract extension after the game.
0: <laughs> I think that's what's going to happen. He's getting his own movie about yeah. that. Happens. Oh, you yeah. Like,
1: he might have his own movie in the works already. Uh, so, yeah, it, that's... he will be. His face will be plastered
0: on every single video board in Times Square. It'll be the. It'll be the craziest thing you've ever seen.
1: Yep, it's it's. It's totally, I'm all in. I'm all in for all this. This is what I want to happen. This is what I need to happen, Dan. So, uh, yeah, I'm here for it. And I know Giants Wire, as always, has it all covered for the latest Tommy DeVito mania. (laughs) Check out Giants Wire. Dan and the crew have it locked down. And, uh, yeah, enjoy some football this weekend. Giants, Saints, big game. And, again, this Saints team is not very good. I think think the Giants have a shot, even though they're six-point dogs. We'll be back next week to break that one down. I can't wait. For Dan Benton, I'm Ryan O'Leary. Thanks for joining us on the pod. As always, we'll catch you next week.